Hi everyone, this is Friday, October 17th, 2014, and we're in the Book Nook Room for Novel Ideas, and this month we're discussing Orphan Train by Christina Baker Klein. Before we actually um, go around and discuss the book, I looked a few things. I, I looked up some information about the orphan trains because this was a time in our history that I honestly don't remember hearing about much about, and I didn't hear about the trains themselves until I was in college and had to take a social welfare course, and we talked about all the different social aspects of the time periods going pretty far back from about the 1400s on. But the movement actually started in 1853, as indicated in the book. The research that she did was really impressive because everything that she talks about with regard to the trains <clears throat> and is it's all very true um, a minister who was from a prominent Connecticut family Charles Loring Brace started the movement because of all the abandoned and homeless children running wild on the streets of New York and <clears throat> he wanted to he decided that the best way to handle it was to send them out west to the farm country to give them a better life at least that was what he thought he was doing and for some some of the kids, it did work out. They did have good homes and became, were eventually adopted by their families. Others weren't so lucky. They were, they were indentured servants and farm hands and suffered a lot of abuse because they really didn't do anything anything to check on backgrounds or they just if somebody wanted their kids they turned them over pretty much and then around 1869 the Sisters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul founded the New York Foundlings Home and they did this to help the unwed mothers find homes for their babies and they the mothers would leave the babies in baskets outside the door ring the bell and leave and the nuns took the the babies in and they eventually by the time they were two three sometimes younger would be placed on trains as well so they were also known as baby trains and the idea was that they would be adopted into Catholic families. I didn't know that 
two former state governors were train riders. Andrew Burke, who was the governor of North Dakota from 1891 to 2, was a train rider. And John Brady, governor of the District of Alaska from 1897 to 
hard to adopt because I get I thought she was about eight years old and they seemed to want babies naturally and then they wanted I guess boys who could work on the farm or you know or, or that kind of situation but she seemed young enough to me to have been taken in by a family and I, I really wondered throughout the story why she wasn't considered, you know, a desirable child because I thought she would have would have been so. But overall, I thought it was a, a very very good book and and a re- very enjoyable. I will vote thumbs up for this book. I thought it was very good and it. I was aware of orphan orphan trains, but I had never read anything about it. So this brought it uh, into my mind a lot clearer and I thought that the characters were all well drawn and the narration was good and I thought Vivian was 10 on the train I also liked the book very much it was definitely worth the effort to to get it Uh, this is Marcia by the way and um, I think the reason one reason that that it was difficult for her to be adopted was uh, uh, they, they were talking about her red hair and uh, the fact that she was Irish. And um, I, I don't know why that would have been a problem, but it seems to me that's what I recall, that, uh, you know, that, and that, that people didn't think she was that attractive. And, of course, uh, um, parents, you know, always want to have the best-looking kids and what have you. So I think that was, that was the problem. I agree this was an excellent book. I had heard of Orphan Trains. I think there's a young adult or children's series based on the Orphan Train. I will put in the um, conversation part of this website a link to the Louisiana Orphan Train Museum. It's in Opelousas, about 30 minutes from where I live. In fact, a neighbor where I live told me either her husband's father or grandfather came here on an orphan train, which I thought was fascinating. I was saddened in a sense by the casual cruelty that um, she had to undergo when she worked for those people sewing all the clothes. It just seemed like you know, there was no system in place to prevent any of that. I'm sure the abuses were there, sexual, mental, emotional, whatever, but I hope on the, in the long run that the majority of the kids were better off than they would have otherwise been. Uh, this is Don. I really like the book, and uh, I think they probably were better off because there were kids all over the in fact, the death rate in New York among newborns in the slums in the late 1800s and stuff was about 40%. So it was no good things. And the parents, uh, you know, there was no, they couldn't afford the kids and there was no, it was illegal to have any contraception. So there was a real, real problem. I was, one thing in the story, when she gave up her baby, the uh, 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 I was surprised me a little bit there and that uh, the family let, let let her do it and so on of course she wasn't at all but that that was the only part that kind of surprised me yes hi this is Ginny I didn't get to read the whole book just the introductory part and I had never ever heard of orphan trains and um, it reminded me at least at the beginning of Charles Dickens and how um, children were kind of left to fend for themselves on the street I remember at one point one of the um, the people who was in charge of um, being a guardian of the children said, now we're just going to let you fend for yourselves if you don't behave. Um, but I didn't get very far into the book. I did like it. 
I like the fact that it had kind of an even keel to it. It wasn't really overly dramatic or melodramatic. Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons that Vivian couldn't be adopted was because she was Irish. The Irish really had a they were they had a bad reputation and if you were Irish that was that was just not a good thing. And even the children unfortunately just through history they they've just really had a bad gotten a bad rap. So I think that was big reason why she couldn't be adopted in the fact that she was a girl because they did want a lot of people wanted boys to work on the farm and do other free labor so I think that was two strikes against her I'm glad everybody liked it um, and Oh, I was going to say something, but it just went out of my head. Well, um, this is Anne here, and I really liked the book. I found it to be a good story. I thought it was well written. Um, and I'm sorry you've lost your train of thought. That's that's awful when that happens. <laughs> I hope you find it. Um, speaking of trains, and I liked the the way that the author wove the um the two characters the the old lady and the young girl from today's society and you know how they became friends and so forth um i thought that was very neat and very plausible and that the young girl was able to look on the internet and find out that that uh, her sister had had lived all that time and had died, and then um, that the uh, that the the baby was found again, and um, that was that was very cool. I like that. Um, kind of a heart warmer, which is which is a nice thing. Um, I like that kind of thing. I didn't know that much about the orphan trains. I sort of heard of them, but had never read anything about them, and I. Um, I was interested to find out about them, and but the uh, the treatment of the uh, of the children doesn't surprise me, and the whole business of the naming, the naming, you know that she came from Ireland with a perfectly good name. Uh, what was it, Neve or Neem? Neve. Um, I'd have to check the bookshare copy to see what, what the spelling was. It was one of those odd uh, Gaelic spellings, but, you know, she ends up with a, a, quote, English name because, or American name, because, um, you know, it wasn't politic to have a, to have a, a uh, an Irish name. And, you know, the first set of people that adopted her called her... Um, was it Vivian? I don't know. I can't remember. She had two or three names as as she went along. Um, so I, I kind of got them mixed. But um, they called her the name of their daughter that died. And, you know, I didn't think that was quite fair. But, um, you know, this is common practice 
People changed their names. People wrote down names wrongly. When when people came to this country, um, they didn't spell them correctly because, well, the people couldn't spell. They didn't know English and they couldn't spell. So, But it's a shame because the name is so important, you know, to one's character. It, it really is. So, um, but as I say, I really like the book and... Um, I, I'm interested to hear what everybody has to say. I think uh, that everybody's right. She was hard to adopt because of Irish, and that was back in the time when Irish need not apply. And uh, I really uh, was, as she struggled, I seemed to struggle along with her. And I kept waiting for sexual abuse to happen, and it didn't happen until just toward the end of the book. But uh, I thought she was like more like a slave, and she worked, and she did she did well. Another thing is, I thought she was awfully intellectually old for her age. I think if that would have been me, I would have just sat on the train and cried the whole way. I, I like what you said, Anne. I totally agree. This book was very plausible, and the way that uh, Vivian and Molly were interwoven made perfect sense. And uh, I like Molly, too, you know, the uh, 21st century uh, young girl. And uh, I'm, I'm glad they became friends. And, yes, it was a heartwarming book. Um, also, I didn't really know much about the orphan trains. I just heard about them in the last few years. And this too is the only thing that I've I've read on it, and I and I also want to thank you, Randy, for uh, looking up the information, and uh, you know to inform us about that. Um, and yeah, names are very important. I think her first her first name, Vivian's first name after you know that that family that she went to, and she was a basically slave laborer there in the uh, in the workshop, the garment making. Uh, shop there was uh, Dorothy and I don't know how people can just say well your name is going to be this well slaves had the same uh, had the same ordeal so uh, yeah Dorothy and Vivian and uh, and they did spell name name or Neve or, or whatever but I it was a very odd spelling I should have rewound the, the uh, stream and and uh, checked it out but uh, yeah they did they did spell the name Hey, uh, uh, this is Alan. I love this book. I thought it was great. Uh, uh, I think the spelling may have been N-A-E-V-E, but uh, I didn't make a, a note of it, and that, that might not be right. But uh, you're right. Dorothy was her her first given name. But uh, uh, I, I just thought this book was just was, was very well done. The, uh, uh, the, the story was great. I, I love a... I, I really enjoy a book where you've got an, an, an elderly person befriended a younger person like like Vivian and Molly did, and they were kind of uh, they became fast friends and uh, they found the shared experience. Uh, I thought the parts about the orphan train was very interesting. We read another book in another uh, book group. I'm not sure it was this one called The Chaperone that uh, had uh, some about the orphan trains too, because I remember people talking about this book when we were discussing that one. Uh, but uh, the, the the way that history was tied in and the uh, the character development was was, was very well done, and uh, the narration was excellent. So uh, uh, 
that seems to be the case with a lot of times with these commercial books. But uh, I thought the I thought the book was great, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I I really wish that she would have gone back to her Irish name because I really I really did like her name, and it was it was you know difficult listening to how she had to have her name changed all the time. But one of the things that that struck me when I was listening to the story was how it seemed to be okay for children to be used as labor. You know, that seemed to be acceptable. I mean, it was okay that she was taken in and, and used as a, as a sewing person, as a seamstress. And then when she um, was you know, had to leave that situation because of, of economic situation, then they wanted her to go to the Grote family and become a mother's helper. And then she went to the the other family, the Nielsen's, and she was going to work in the store. So you saw that it was really acceptable for very young children, you know, to basically be working quite a lot of hours, and um, that school really wasn't such a priority. So I think she she did a good job of really showing, you know, how that that was an acceptable uh, situation if you were adopted from from the orphan train. Um, and as I said earlier, it was really, it was so interesting to me to think about adoption because it's such a, all the people that I know were adopted as infants. And I really thought, you know, if you were adopted and you'd have memories of your parents and memories of your of your family, I can see how, how confusing that could be, how difficult it could be, how much an adjustment it could be, and how maybe it would be very, very difficult to, to ever feel part of another family. So, um, you know, it made me really feel, I guess, for Vivian as a character. I, I agree. Those are good points. I hope this author writes something else. I really uh, enjoyed the narration, too. I think it was two narrators. And for some reason or another, I tend to like... Uh, somebody that's very aged and uh, the interplay between the older uh, generation and the very younger one was was very good and I thought 50 hours of uh, community service was a little much for taking a raggedy book out of the library and also uh, she made a friend uh, well, the little baby she had, and then she made a friend, and they kind of pledged to get to to see one another. And, of course, in the later book, it did turn out that they were able to do that. That made you feel pretty darn good when you were reading that book, I think. Getting back to what Michelle was saying, but don't you think in that particular time, most children, whether they were natural-born children or not, were expected to do a lot of work, and people, you know, because it was such a farming country, people deliberately had large families in order for those children to work on the farm and help it make money and survive. So I don't think that part of it was was all that unusual. Um, And I have to laugh because I thought everybody who grew up must have read Anne of Green Gables, and that was the first time I knew about orphan trains, and I was just a kid then. Um, I I don't. I read the book Anne of Green Gables, but I actually hadn't read it until later, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and I had heard about the orphan trains, but by that time. 
But one of the... This was, I believe, if I remember right, and Dawn, correct me if I'm wrong, but child labor laws hadn't been in, instituted yet, had they, around this time, or was it, it wasn't too long before, maybe it was during the early part of the um, 1900s that they were enforced, so maybe that's a big part of it too, and I also remember David was talking about the museum in Louisiana. There is an orphan train museum in Kansas, and people can go and look up rider testimonies and research, and they've really built quite a resource list. When you look online, there's a lot of books on this, and the book that we read is actually one of the ones I saw listed, so that was that was pretty good. Yes, that's true, that child la- there were no child labor laws then. Uh, a lot of children were expected to go to work in real work at the age of nine, and she was lucky she wasn't in a coal mine where she might have had to been working with machinery. A lot of children lost fingers and hands and and, and for that, and child labor laws weren't passed until uh, a bit into the 20th century. Yeah, this was around 1929. Now, then, I, the Supreme Court was that saying that uh, the child labor laws were unconstitutional; it violated their freedom of contract. Do you think so? Uh, it, it took they they had a turnaround somewhere during the 20s, I think. And they, they, but uh, after the turn of the century, they were passing, trying to change things. This also, when this movement started in in the eighteen fifties, it was it caused a lot of controversy too because of slavery. The abolitionists thought that it was a form of slavery to do what Brace was doing and what the and. You know the the trains. They the abolitionists were against it, so it was pretty controversial from the beginning. Well, I I also liked how Molly ended up um, with Vivian because I think it's it's nice when there's. I I know she wasn't her grandmother, but I kind of thought of her like a grandmother granddaughter relationship. And, um, and and I liked, you know, I liked that they found each other because they really shared a lot in common and they understood each other maybe in a way that other people didn't understand each other. And Molly, um, though obviously she wasn't on the orphan train, you know, had, had not exactly the most stable uh, family situation and, and was having some difficulties where she was placed. So it, was, it worked out nicely, you know, for everybody and they, they could give to each other. So I think that was really, it was, it was nice to read. It was a very, like a lovely kind of a story, you know, at the end. I really like that uh, too. And uh, I like the way Molly brought Vivian into the 21st century by getting her to use the computer to, to look things up. I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, I really thought 
as I read this book, I liked it all the way through, but I especially liked the end where the car pulled up in the driveway and she was waiting for what was her daughter or granddaughter and the young young girl got out she was i don't remember she was a, i guess great granddaughter and she got jumped out of that car with so much enthusiasm and was ready to run in there and couldn't wait to see vivian and that was she was all of the uh, uh excitement of youth and and that really made the book for me i thought the ending was especially heartwarming way to end that book I'll just be uh, brief. I love the book, Randy. It was very good. I'm sorry to be late. I was at a board meeting, and I'm going to sit back and listen. But uh, you chose a great book. And, of course, Vivian, amazing woman for all that she went through. Yeah, it was a, it was a great book. And I especially liked um, the fact that we found out about what happened to Dutchie. Of course, uh, Dutchie and, and Vivian married. Um, and you know, little little Carmine turned out to have a uh, very good life, and uh, and we found all out also what happened to the rest. You know, the families that Vivian had been with. Uh, you know, the first family where she was the 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 seamstress, and um, even the the fact that when when she was with the Groats, um, what happened with them? You know, some books you read. The, the ends, you know, the, the the ends aren't tidied up. You know, you just don't find out what happened to everybody. So I thought found that very um, very good. And I also liked the ending. You know, when the granddaughter showed up, and the daughter and the granddaughter, and that was that was, as you said, especially heartwarming. That was actually one of my favorite parts in the whole book, and it was just it was neat to see Vivian evolve into this 21st century woman looking on the internet and finding out about the people she had been with on the trains and it was just great and then the way she connected she was able to find her daughter with Molly's help and I thought it was neat how the author wove them together. Molly, the incident with Molly in the classroom when she was talking about the Penobscot Indians and and she spoke up in class because they were having a discussion in her history class and somebody was talking about... Um, they were talking about how people were treated and... And Molly spoke up and said, hey, I'm an Indian, and what happened was very unfair. And I think that's when she started to see the similarities between her and Vivian, too. I like the part in the book about the bureaucracy of the school district, because here they were punishing her for stealing Jane Eyre. I mean, can you imagine... If I had a student who stole Jane Eyre from the library, I I think I would have said something like, well, you know, if you come and, and help me clean out my attic, I'll pay you, um, I'll buy the book for you, or something. I mean, good heavens. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but uh, I just, you know, I thought, oh, God, more school bureaucracy. 
Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. And not only did she steal the book Jane Eyre's, there were several on the shelf. And she got the most raggedy raggedy one, so she really wouldn't be taking that much. Yeah, who really cares that she took a raggedy copy of Jane Eyre? But, oh, how about those foster parents, Dina and Ralph? And just letting her go with Vivian and keeping the money. Of course, that's... I can imagine some foster parents pulling that kind of stuff anyway, but that was... That whole bureaucracy and how she was able to keep that from the social worker and just meet the social worker somewhere else. I'm sorry we weren't hearing you. And while you're getting ready there, I, I just, um, I, I agree that, uh, what is the name of the social worker, the guy who, who, who uh, you know, said the groats, oh no, he couldn't have raped her, he couldn't have done anything like that. Thank goodness Helen was there and others to convince him he was the typical social worker. You know, I placed this girl, oh my God, I got to go to all this paperwork to move her out of there. And uh, I was ready, I was screaming at him, what an idiot. You're coming through. We could hear you, Ruthanne. Yes. Hi, this is Ginny. I don't know if you can hear me, but I, again, I only read the first few pages or maybe 20 pages of the book, but it made me think of um, the whole concept of childhood has evolved, I think. I've read, um, you know, again, back in Dickens' time, children were almost little adults. They weren't given a lot of special protection or um, special regard, and you know, I think of all the, the movies I've seen with children working in factories during the Industrial Revolution. And um, this was, it just reminded me that we have come, you know, kind of a long way in how we want to be protective and sensitive to children and know that it's a special time in life. That's one reason we should be thankful for the country and time we live in, because children are not treated any better than the children were in this book in some parts of the world today. Well, I kind of did like the, the portrayal of the uh, different people working for the Child Care Society in the early parts of the book because uh, it, it, it was kind of the matron and, the, and that guy that was such a jerk. <laughs> it, I, it really was interesting. I like that too, Don. I thought that you had the situation with... Uh, that the, the, they're just trying to keep those kids in line, so they made a good impression on the people that showed up to get them. And, and uh, I always wondered, too, I mean, how do you keep, you know, there was, an, apparently in thinking out this orphan train thing, how do you keep these children from being abused, which many of them were, you know, that the boys worked out on the farm and sometimes were beaten and the girls were, were treated badly and... Uh, the, you know, it was all on the, what the, what the uh, foster parents or what the people wanted from the child and not necessarily how they were treating the child. There seemed to be no responsibility or no way of checking on these people. Well, I remember the scene where she was, you know, that the, the husband, the father was trying to touch her and 
she ran away, and I think she went to the schoolhouse, and then they brought in the representative from the Orphan Drain Society, and, you know, they, they really wouldn't believe what she was saying, even though the school teacher believed what she was saying. And I think in modern times, they would believe the child. You know, if a child said somebody was trying to touch them inappropriately, I think they believe the child now. But I don't know at that time that they really would believe it unless an adult maybe had, had witnessed it and, and would testify. So it was, you know, she did a good job of showing really how defenseless the children were, how they were subject to whatever really situation they were placed in and how they really couldn't defend themselves, you know, and a, unless an adult came and, and really witnessed something and really helped them. So it was, it was, you know, she did a good job, I think, of showing that to, to the readers. Yeah, she really did. This was so, this whole book was just so well-researched and so well thought out. It flowed so well <clears throat> between the past and the present. And I I think it was Michelle who said, was talking about Vivian getting the daughter's name, the one who died. And I agree. I that And Vivian, Dorothy, as she was then, gave that a lot of thought, too, because she just didn't know if she wanted to be their representative. She didn't know if she wanted to be to carry that. When I read a book that I really like, I often try to think of people that I think would also really like that book and and for different reasons. And I have a granddaughter who doesn't who isn't a reader. I'm and I'm so sorry to say this because, you know, it's one of the things in life I most enjoy. Um, so I, I took on the challenge of finding a book for her that I thought she would really like. And so for her birthday, I gave her the orphan train, and she did like it, and she did read it. And, and I'm sure she didn't just say that um, because I'm her grandmother, but I, I thought it would strike the, the kind of interest that she, as a mother, now would would have, and that she would read this book. So I'm I was gratified there, and I'm glad all the rest of you liked it as well. I think it was just a very well written book. The way she got inside the characters and thinking process, it was very realistic, and 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 for a, to have a, a happy ending without getting uh, kind of sloppy. Uh, is uh, was pretty good. She did a pretty decent job of it. Yeah, I agree. I think that the scenes were so well woven one to the other that you that you never never got lost in the book, but you were drawn in to all the characters. I felt I was looking over her shoulder at that time, and the ending was really heartwarming, but not syrupy. Yes, this is Jenny. Um, to me, this was kind of an untold story, and the author uh, did a really good job of um, making it flow uh, like a novel. Uh, it could have been dry and kind of turgid. Um, 
And I wonder if this has been a movie or is going to be a movie. And again, I would guess that only maybe 20 or 30 percent of the public have ever heard of Orphan Trains. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it being a movie. And Alan, we we did read The Chaperone here in this group. And yeah, there was a part of that that dealt with Orphan Trains. But it would be interesting to see what they would do with this as a movie. And you're right, a lot of people probably don't know about them. It's just not a part of history that is told. And even in this book, they um, Vivian talked about the shame of being on the trains. And um, somebody alluded to it about her giving up her baby. And that was a surprise to me, too, that she would, after what she had been through, that she would give her own child up. I'm sorry to um, interrupt, but I had read this probably a while back, and in fact, maybe too long of a while back. I don't remember the part where Vivian gives up her child. Was that when she was first married or um, later? I'm just blanking out on that part. That was after the death of her husband who went off to war and I think she gave up the the baby because she was so in shock that she couldn't she just couldn't visualize herself reading I mean raising the baby uh, after losing her husband she was just totally out of it shell shock I guess I hope Randy can you hear me okay Ruthann wasn't using the microphone before am I coming through Yes, you, you are, actually. I was just going to mention that um, I also like the part of the story where she got involved in the shops and where she was, like, picking out different things like cosmetics. And she had a really good business sense, a really good, uh, you know, uh, like, eye for fashion and everything like that. And I thought that was really interesting that she sort of got really involved in the store and making it grow and everything. I, I didn't expect the story to take that turn. So that was that was interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go back to giving up the child. I was upset with her, but that just shows that we all have flaws. I think she made a mistake doing that. She even said, I know that my uh, foster parents would, would help me. I think the father had died. I'm not sure there, but they were good to her. They would have helped me, but I can't do it. I just can't do it. But she's one that lost her parents in a fire that was handed from one foster parent to another. And I was disappointed, but then somebody talked to me about uh, plausibility. It is plausible. We all have we have flaws. And that was I didn't agree with her position there, but it was her life and her body. Did they say if she just put the kid in an orphanage or gave it to a friend? I wasn't sure. And, uh, Michelle, I agree with you. I love the part about the store and how she was becoming very good at it and made that store jump up a whole nother level. Yeah, she went up for adoption, and they did have adoption agencies during World War II. Uh, there was a lot of kids adopted. It's been a little while since I read the book, but it seems to me that uh, she did have uh, – a fairly good idea that the child would be well taken care of. Can't remember if she really knew somebody. Mm. 
But anyway, I think she was fairly confident that the baby would be well cared for. But I can't remember exactly how that was written. I don't remember that about, but obviously finding her at the end, what, she's a college professor with grandchildren, uh, and and, he, and she was sorry at the end, Vivian, that she lost all those years. So, you know, she said, let's begin at the beginning. No, I don't think she had anybody in mind. I think she did give the baby up to an agency or, you know, they had a place an agency took over because remember she named the baby Maisie and they kept the middle name May so that's how she was able to find her and I agree with you Bob I was upset too that she gave the baby up but then on the other hand she might have felt too that she wasn't capable of raising the baby because of everything she'd been through and um, just maybe like Dawn said or LaDawn, one of you said that she was in a state of shock and that might have been too, but I, I was upset too when she did that. There were no economic reasons for it because she's as a World, World War Two widow and and then the, 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 her foster parents, they, they, there have been no problems. Yeah, but other than that, Vivian was a courageous uh, girl and duchy. I loved him. And he would not have been good with the business, as she said. And Jim was steady, but she was very honest. She said, I love Jim, but I was in love with duchy, you know. That was a good part, too. Uh, just one last thing about the kid. Did her foster parents know about the kids? Yeah, I just blanked that part. And they, did they know, or she never told them? Oh, yes. They they were with her during the, the mother was, uh, the foster mother was there with her during the, the childbirth, and encouraging her and saying, you have your baby now, and so on, because she just heard about the death of her, and they knew, they knew she was pregnant, and they say, you know, they... They had a regular wedding, you know, when she got married and all that in town. Thanks, Don. Yeah, that's right. It's coming back to me now. I, the, the girls who she went to uh, Minneapolis with were, were there at the wedding. So uh, I wasn't sure how that trip was going, what was going to happen on that trip. And then I kind of got to thinking, well, maybe she'll run into Dutchie. And sure enough, that's what happened. But, yeah, I was kind of surprised, too, that, that she gave uh, gave the baby up. But, um but I think you're right. I think she was just so grief-stricken and, and so in shock that she just didn't, she wasn't thinking, uh, she wasn't in her right mind. And I think that's that's one reason that, that she gave her up. Ruthann, if you want to say something, I think you're at a good computer down there. I guess not. Of course. I guess if she just would have done everything right, we wouldn't have liked the book so much. You have to have people with uh, good sides and bad sides, flaws and... And shortcomings, uh, that's what makes the character interesting. Yeah, it, it, I wonder if she, how much she ba- based the story on real characters, but uh, the other thing that kind of, how she, Molly ended up with a nice guy like Jack, you know, uh, she, for a gothic <laughs> connects with Jack, uh, that seemed pretty good. Yeah, Jack was a good guy. Carrie was, I, I was a loser. At near the end, she was better. But I thought Jack was pretty good with her. And then he kind of faded a little bit, though. He was getting tired of some of the shenanigans. But basically, you know, it's asking a lot out of a teenage boy to understand the complicated Molly, who I did like, though. 
Yeah, that's true. It, it is um, a lot to ask. And it's also, in some respects, I mean, we can all talk about what she should have done, but the war and losing uh, Dutchie was very hard on her, I'm sure, because of the way the whole thing worked. And, I'm, you know, if you suddenly had lost the man that you were going to be with, hopefully, the rest of your life, and and you were, you know, having his baby, and uh, you wanted to, you know, it just, I can understand that she would maybe want to give, would, would maybe want to give it up so that it could be, you know, cared for and, and uh, all of that sort of thing. But it, I'm sure that she was shocked with the way things went. Well, I, I'm forgetting the names of the characters, but the one that I thought was a real big turd was her foster mother. I really disliked her. She was uh, she was horrific, and she was she was all about herself. And uh, I think she was just in it to get the foster care money and stuff. I, I just didn't care for her at all. the The foster dad, he he was a lot better, I thought. But the that her foster mom was just horrific. Alan, do you mean Mrs. Byrne, Ralph, and uh, what was the woman's name? That if you're talking about her, she was awful. The one who made her work in like um, slave labor in the um, dress store. That she was absolutely awful. I agree. If that's who you mean, and uh, I'm not sure, did Mrs. Grote ever become a foster mother to her? What a horrible situation! And then she went to the third group that said you're going to be a Protestant, but they treated her well. They they liked her, you know. I don't think that's what he was talking about. I think he was talking about Molly's. Uh, foster the people that she was living with when uh, she would be in the bedroom and she would hear them argue and and uh, she, she uh, that I don't remember that lady's name but she would tell husband I want her out of here I don't want anything to do with her and she didn't want anything but the the man that she was li- the, the Molly was living with was pretty nice and he had to uh, battle with his wife and I think that's who she, who he was talking about. He can speak for himself, but I do remember she. I, I could imagine how it would be to uh, be in a room, be a young young lady or a young child, and hearing that kind of conversation. You know that you are not wanted, and that has to be terrible burden to carry. Yeah, um, I think Alan's talking about Dina and Ralph. The foster parents that's the situation i was talking about earlier where dina kicked her out and she went to vivian and but she and she told ralph she sent ralph a text and let her let him know where she was but and he tried to get her to come back but she said she was going to stay where she was and just leave things alone i'll be 18 soon and the money's pretty nice isn't it and so she was living with Vivian while Dina and Ralph were skimming the system and saying she was living there. And the social worker, Lori, I think her name was, was meeting her somewhere else for the visits instead of at the actual house where she was supposed to be living. And there they were, frauding the system and Dina and Ralph and getting all the money for it. Yeah, I was talking about uh, uh, Molly's foster parents. Sorry, I was uh, not clear on that. Yeah, Dina and Ralph. Thanks, uh, Randy, for those names. Dina, I, I couldn't stand. I thought she was probably one of my least favorite characters in the whole book. 
except for maybe the the, the groats, whatever the guy. They were horrible. Yeah, thank you, Ladon, and all of you. Yeah, Dina and Ralph, of course. Yeah, Dina was awful, absolutely awful. It's getting pretty close to the top of the hour, and I was wondering if you had to select uh, another book. I was wondering too. I was just about to say it's getting it's ten o'clock, um, and before we do that, though, I just wanted to say real quick, I'm going to leave this up to all of you. Um, December, our December meeting will be the 19th, which is a few days before Christmas, and I don't plan on being here. So either if somebody has a book that you're dying to do, you can someone else can do it, or we can choose a longer book to do in January. So I'm going to leave that up to you, and we can do whatever the group wants. Um, and I think last month we had talked about doing a Harlan Coben book for November. Either, well, I have two in mind now, but I was thinking of either one called Hold Tight or Missing You. Missing You is, they're, he's a mystery writer. Um, so they're both suspense thrillers and Missing You is NYPD detective Kate's past haunts her the man convicted of killing her father recants and her ex-fiance reappears on an online dating service when a teen asks for help finding his mother, Cat doesn't Cat doesn't realize her personal connection to the case. It's twenty fourteen and it's twelve hours and thirty one minutes. It's read by Martha Harmon Pardee. That one, the DB number is, ah, I missed it again, 78398. The other one by him is Hold Tight, and it's DB 66538. It's 11 hours and 39 minutes, read by Jim Zeiger. It says, when 16-year-old Adam Bai becomes overly withdrawn after a friend's suicide, his parents install spyware on his computer and make an alarming discovery. Meanwhile, a killer is edging to the Bai's orbit, and a neighbor's illness is about to reveal long-held secrets. It's 2008. I like Missing You, so we can... That's my vote. I like Hold Tight, and that's my vote. I vote for Hold Tight simply because I read Missing You a couple of months ago. Yeah, it, it, was, it was good, but uh, uh, I'm always about reading something new. Uh, but I do like the song Missing You by John Waite that uh, kind of gets some uh, uh, plug in the book. 
I would vote for, for Holding Tight. Like I say, Holding Tight's a wonderful book. Just another teenager book. I'm getting tired of it. Some of the clubs are hitting a lot of those. But that's okay. Maybe an outside Jim Zeiger. Oh, boy, it'll sound like 20 hours. But that's all right. I won't be bitter. <laughs> well, it looks like Hold Tight is the one we're going to do. Yeah, I'm not real crazy about Jim Zeiger either, but that's okay. Speed them up. Yeah, I just have a question, Earl. We we do have a mystery group, and uh, is this kind of intruding into their territory, or is that just not anything we're going to worry about? We don't worry about that, <laughs> really. Uh, what's the what's the DB number again for for uh, hold tight, please? Six five something. Six five six six five three eight. And no, I've I've never worried about it. We read historical fiction and everything so as long as nobody else cares i don't care either man i didn't realize jim zeiger read this i wasn't paying attention i might have voted differently but hey hold tight it is (laughs) no i think most of the clubs they do their best but they go over and this is novel ideas and it's a novel so i think we're okay six six five three eight okay